Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, I am uh, your host of today's show, Aaron Richards. I'm joined here by my good friend and brother in Christ, our co-host today, Mr. Brad Pierre. And welcome, Brad. Hey, thanks, Aaron. Good to be here, man. It is going to be an amazing show. Friends, if this is the first time tuning in for to Beyond Damascus, or if you just like a little reminder, Beyond Damascus is the show where encounter meets mission. And like St. Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, his life was transformed. His life was transformed, not just into a place where he could look back and tell a great story of having met a great guy, but where his, the, the, the course of his life moving forward was transformed. When he went to Damascus, uh, he, was, he was equipped, he was empowered, and he was charged for mission. And uh, so too we, when we encounter the Lord Jesus, our lives should be changed forever. So uh, we've, got an, we've got an awesome show planned for today. Um, this is a, a wild time in the state of our world, and we're going to be kind of speaking about that missionary fire in us and how it is that we can respond to the times. Uh, I, I imagine that's honestly the question that, that saints ask during every time, but that's the question we're asking today. Why? Because I think, I don't know, for me, I've just, I've, I think I've been comfortable for a long time. And friends, I'm not comfortable right now. And, uh, and this, it, we, 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 it's good to talk about. Um, let's go ahead and pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we trust you and we love you. Lord, let our lives be a testament to that. Let our lives be our witness that as we love you for your own sake, and as we love you in others, God, that our lives would be transformed, that our hearts would be transformed, that our world would be transformed. We were made for such a time as this. We're called to mission now. Um, God, equip your saints. We pray this in Jesus' name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, uh, Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. It's carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And thanks for joining us today. Uh, Brad, where are we in the world right now? Yeah, well, um, <laughs> we're in an uncharted place, right? That's... Um, I think that's the best way to say it. We're in a time in our world that we haven't seen before, and there's trials and discomfort in that. Yeah. There's also exciting adventure in that, yeah. and we obviously talk about mission on this show, and we've talked about that before, that missio means to be sent forth, and we're being sent forth into something we haven't seen before, and mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of apprehension that can come with that, but also there's, on the flip side of the coin, a great adventure to be seen in that if we can see it through the light, yeah, through the right lens. Friends, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this show, but just to give some context for kind of the course of our conversation, and if nothing else, it will remind you. So we are we are two days past the uh, presidential election 2020. We're living in the midst of a world of chaos and uncertainty, and uh, we are we are right in the midst of um, still. It seems like the theme of every one of our last shows for the last six months of uh, an ever escalating COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, and the the question is, you know, we've talked about new evangelization. We've talked about all the tools that we can use to effectively step in. Uh, I don't know, man. I I think that I think that today. I'm I'm being pulled toward the question of 
what is the orientation of heart that's necessary for us as we respond to the call that God's placed us or that God's given us at a time like this? Yeah, I think that's the question is what is the orientation that we should be taking as a church, as a people, as a country? And I've been reflecting a lot on the fact that almost everywhere we look in the world right now, you see elements of division. And anytime that you see elements of division, right, die vision, two visions or three visions or four visions or however many visions, um, you, you have this necessity to have a group of people or a subset of individuals who decide that we're actually going to bring unity into the division. And I was thinking about our times today in light of just even the Trinity, right? That we have father, son, and Holy spirit, three distinct persons that come together in unity. And how can we take, you know, two, three, four things in the world and bring them into unity. And I think that's the challenge that we're faced with. And I was mentioning the adventurous lens. I think that is in fact the adventure, but um, (laughs) I I love GK Chesterton so much. And he says, this amazing um, quote. And he says that inconvenience is only adventure wrongly considered. And I would tell you, I don't think I've ever been more inconvenienced in my life than over the last couple of weeks in my position, in my just state of being. But in that, if I can see like everything through the lens of gratitude, I'm able to find adventure in it. And I, I know that I'm struggling with that. This is me speaking the area where I want to be not necessarily the area in which yeah. I currently stand. Yeah. So Brad, Brad, and you and I were were discussing just discussing just prior to the show uh, starting today that uh, the question is like what what actually should be how do we how do we actually deal with <laughs> with this? Right. And friends, we're, we're, we're uh, I don't have a fleshed out outline for today's show in terms of a response to that question. I, I'm 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 prayerfully hoping that. As we as we kind of dive into some of these stories and dive into some of these concepts, that maybe that'll become clear to us just in the course of dialogue. But honestly, I don't have an answer. What we were we were discussing with uh, we had a we had a Damascus board of directors meeting last night, and we're blessed with just some amazing leaders that have been yeah. that have poured their lives into this organization over the course of the last fifteen years, twenty years, and. Um, a number of the uh, men and women that serve on our board work down in Columbus and uh, operate amazing businesses down there. We're kind of, we're, we're, we're kind of, exi- we exist up here in Centerburg, Ohio, in a in a bit of a bubble, and on our Damascus campus. And um, the comments that were made, some of the comments that were made from from the guys who work downtown, were indicating, yeah, you know, in advance of Tuesday's election, we uh, we we saw the teams come out and board up all the windows on the state house and uh you know our our own local churches in our diocese of Columbus received emails this week encouraging them to consider boarding up windows in advance of this week's political festivities like what kind of world do we live in right where where we are all of a sudden brought to a place of anticipating physical violence as as uh, a, an appropriate result for political discourse, it's 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 wild. It's absolutely wild. Yeah, it seems as if we lack a foundation to build off of. Right, like yeah. any time that you don't have a consistent foundation, each person finds their own foundation to build upon, and then whoever's interested in that particular island foundation goes to that. But when you can't start from ground one together, you know, I, I was thinking about something I've been tempted by, and in my 26 short years of life, I'm always tempted to compare 
to a season past or to yeah. compare to something else. And I feel like in my heart, I've been like, well, am I supposed to compare? And then I feel like a concept that I've been working with is this idea that comparison is good, but we need to see it through the correct lens that oftentimes in our world today, we see comparison for the sake of competition. So I compare to compete, but we actually need to look into the lens of completion for comparison. So hear me in this idea. It's this idea that I don't compare myself to someone else to compete with them, Mm -hmm. but rather to complete who I'm supposed to be. I don't compare my viewpoints to others to compete with them, but rather to complete the two viewpoints so that they can be whole. And I think what's happened, whether it be in Columbus and the retaliation for someone like (laughs) going against the worst of it. No, absolutely (laughs) not. But like just this idea that like, if, if I, am in this place where every comparison is competitive. If I lose, how do I retaliate? Right. But if I'm in this place where actually, what if the other side has that part that I need to complete my vision with? And that is kind of that common foundation. Again, just that idea that I I think we as church are called to compare to seasons past. We're called to compare to movements of the Holy spirit in the past, not to compete with that move, not to compete with that era, but to complete this era in light of the goodness and movement of the Holy Spirit in that era. So I I don't know. It's just an idea that I've been having. If you have a common foundation, you can compare in order to complete instead of comparing in order to compete. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I I mean, I suppose that's what we need. Like the, the answer to division is community. The answer to division is love, right? Yes. Surprise, yeah, yeah, surprise. Yeah. Um, I, I'm reminded of of Jesus in in the 17th chapter of John's Gospel, right? Um, Lord, make them one, as you and I are one. And so often we, I don't know. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I think I've just been comfortable that that my interpretation of those of those sentiments of of the Lord Jesus have been comfortable things like, God, how are you going to align the slight theological disagreements between myself and some of my Protestant brothers and sisters, right? Yeah. We got some big fish to fry right now. You know, uh, where, where, where truly we are living in a, in a dualistic society where, um, where there's such a polarization between viewpoints. I, I was, I was trying to do my best to explain like a perspective on our political system to my kids the other day, ages, you know, 10 and 12. <laughs> and I, I had, I had difficulty finding the right words, right? Because it's a game. It's all a big game. And in the midst of, you know, uh, these last, these last three, three weeks, friends, um, the, the bubble at Damascus has been popped and we are, we're now dealing with the actual response to what it is like to live in a COVID afflicted society. Yeah. And, um, the uh, I, I guess I don't want to blow things out of proportion, but um, we've had a number of our missionaries here. Even I, myself, and my family have been have been dealing with how to respond. Brad, I know you were there a couple of weeks ago as well. You know yeah. how to respond and how to how to live in uh, in the midst of of just what's a turbulent time. Um, and what what I shared with our missionaries the other day, uh, we we had a we had a big kind of group group meeting to come together and just to, to recenter ourselves. And uh, friends, I, I think if you're listening to today's show, maybe you've come to a similar place that for a long time, 
when the chaos is on the outside and there's peace on the inside, it's easy to remain founded in our identity and founded in who we are. But the moment that that, that chaos begins to come in is an opportunity for us to forget our foundations. Mm-hmm. I've, I've found myself even in the last two weeks um, struggling to... Uh, struggling to remind myself of the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord over COVID, right? Right. That, that, that COVID is not the new, the new Lord that we worship in the United States of America. Yeah. Um, that, that, that we need to make decisions that are, are certainly with the benefit of our world and our health and an appropriate prudent response to social conditions in mind. But at the same time, we, we, cannot sacrifice the gospel, right? I can't sacrifice the reality and the truth of who God's made us to be, of the mission that he's called us to. And it's tough. Um, Here's the good news. This is not the first time that the church has dealt with struggle. Okay. This is not the first time that the church has dealt with, (laughs) with, uh, with, with global pandemic. Okay. This isn't the first time the church has dealt with corrupt politics. Uh, we we're experiencing it and maybe it's the first time that we've dealt with it, but we can actually look to the example of the saints. We can look to the example of, of the missionaries who have gone before us to actually uh, to, to, to orient our hearts in such a way that we could respond as missionaries in a time like this. I was reflecting Brad on the, on, on this concept today and um, the Lord kept impressing this image upon me that missionaries are the ones who run into the fire. Mm-hmm. Missionaries are the ones who run into the fire. And if if there's nothing else, I would describe this current situation that we're experiencing in the world as this is, I mean, this is the furnace, uh, at least as, at least so far as I've ever seen it as as a young adult, as a as a old millennial in today's world, right? That. Um, we're, we're experiencing something profound that we've never experienced before. Mm-hmm. And, and now more than ever, yeah, we have, we have a fundamental responsibility to, to run into this season with both eyes open. Yeah. And I, I think the key to what you're just saying, Aaron, is that missionaries are called to respond, not to react that we know in our hearts that the Lord is who he says he is. And like you said, there's a wrestle with that at times, but if we can center ourselves on that, then whenever something comes my way, that's awry, I can go back to that and then respond accordingly instead of reacting. And I think oftentimes we're tempted to react with this momentary word that we speak to someone or this Facebook post that we make or whatever. And it's like, actually, wait, I'm as a missionary called to go into the fire with a response, not with a reaction. And, and, to your point, this is not the first time it's happened in the church. It's not the first time it's happened in salvation history. I mean, <laughs> I've been praying for the last month with Haggai 2, and, and I didn't know exactly why God had been speaking Haggai 2 to me, but it's an amazing chapter. I mean, Haggai's a, a small book anyway, but it, it says this, and I, I think it's, it's worth reading, and just think about the fact that this was written thousands of years ago and the Lord prophesied something that was going to happen, not like once, but that was going to happen in waves. And he was always preparing his people with the words that he speaks through Haggai. And he's even speaking these to us today, right? Like he was preparing the people in the time of Haggai for then he was preparing our church for all of the trials you were talking about. And he was preparing our church for today. 
And this is what he says. He says, now this is from Haggai speaking the word of the Lord. Now be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, high priest. Be strong, all of you people of the land, and work, for I am with you. This is the commitment <laughs> I made to you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Do not fear. Mm. For thus says the Lord of hosts, in just a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations will come in. And I will fill this house with glory. Mine is the silver and mine the gold. Greater will be the glory of this house, the latter more than the former. And in this place, I will give you <laughs> peace. And I mean, and he goes on. I mean, you can read through the rest of the chapter if, if you're listening today and just see what he says. I mean, he says he'll overthrow the thrones of kingdoms and destroy the power of the kingdom of the nations. Like he, he wants to be on the throne. He wants to be at the center of our lives. Mm. And does God, does he in his absolute will say, I'm going to strike a pandemic on the world? Well, no, but can he work out his purposes in a pandemic? Oh, of yeah. course. Yeah. Is, is he going to throw more hurricanes than we've ever seen before. No, he's not. But can he work amidst those? Yes. And and this is what he's saying here, right? Like, I will shake the earth and the dry land. I will shake the nations. And then he gives that so that. Anytime in scripture, friends, that it says so that, we should really, really, really pay attention to that. Because the Lord's saying something that he'll do or he's asking us to do, and he's giving us the reason for that. And he says, I will shake the nations so that the treasures of the nations can come in. Yeah. Because there's this, I think this part of us that has not been porous enough to allow the graces of God to come in and being shaken, we get to this place where we have to be open and then the treasures can come in and we can do what you're saying, Aaron, we can respond. We can go into the fire instead of reacting to it. I I love, I love the opening, the opening statement of that passage. Uh, Work, work, (laughs) work. (laughs) Now now is the time to get to work. Yes. We had a, we're going to, we'll wrap up this segment and take it, take a short break, but um, we had a, we had a missionary meeting, like I said, this week, and, and I was inspired through the course of our meeting that as, as Christians, as missionaries of Damascus, as you friends, right? Full-time missionaries in your homes, in your workplaces, now is not the time to sit back and lament how times are changing. Right. It's the time to trade in our old tools for a new set that's been promised. It's the time to get to work in a new way because we've got uh, a Lord who's calling us to a particular time of service, understanding every implication that that entails, right? Who are we uh, to, to believe that God would call us to a mission and not equip us for the mission at hand? So friends, like I said, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to hear the lives of some of the amazing people who have inspired our hearts by their missionary response of, uh, of running into the fire. Um, uh, of 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 fighting of fighting beyond hope uh, to see the name of Jesus spread throughout this world and to see the salvation of souls. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Please join us after this short break. She is one of the most beloved saints of all time, honored as the saint of the little way. Matthew Bunsen and the doctors of the church. Saint Therese of Lisieux entered the Carmelite convent of Lisieux in 1888 and survived only nine more years. Still, her extraordinary holiness and prayer life prompted her superiors to have her write an autobiography, The Story of a Soul. It became a spiritual classic. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. When we pray, we should talk to God. 
It sounds simple. It's not always that simple. It's just like making any conversation, though. So sometimes we need prayer starters, things that'll give us a boost and get the conversation going. The formal prayers we have in the church, like the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, even the Creed, all of these things are ways that we can begin to talk to God. God doesn't get tired of hearing us say the standard prayers of the church. We can begin there. And welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Thanks again for joining us today, friends. Once more, Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. It's carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And today's show has been off to a strong start. Um, it, you know, I, I even forgot to introduce us. Uh, Brad and I, uh, we are here. I work as the executive director at Damascus um, here in Centerburg, Ohio. Brad is our missionary program director. I forgot even to say that we're recording in the illustrious Damascus Media Studio, but that's where we find ourselves today, friends. And this has been a show um, focused on the heart of a missionary in a time of chaos, which I, I, I don't even want to pretend that I'm being reactionary at this point. It's it's just true, right? In the midst of uh, of of national COVID shutdowns, in the midst of um, an election period that uh, that is is marked by riots and um, deception and regardless of where you stand, it's, it's not fun. It's, it's, it's certainly not peaceful and it's, it's a challenging time to, to, to live a life on mission. One of the statements we made right before the break was that, um, this is not the first time that the church has been called to be a light in the midst of darkness, to be a voice in the midst of chaos. It won't be the last time. And in the lives of the saints, in the lives of those who've gone before us, we see that throughout history and today, that missionaries are the ones who don't run away from conflict, but the ones who run into the fire, right? That, 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 that's why we are inspired by their stories. That's why we're inspired by their lives. And that, friends, our call as Christians now is not to sit back and lament the fact that times are changing, but it's, it's, it's to accept the appointment from the Lord of of the new equipping that he's going to give us so that we can be ready to explore, explore a time like now. Yeah. It would be, it would be imperfect of the Lord, right? Which would make him not the Lord to not (laughs) have his people set up to respond to the times that come. Yeah. So, uh, I, I was, I was praying, I was praying about today's show and I think that we can, we can share some, some, um, stories of what we're experiencing today of what we're seeing um, that, that, that's working. We, we, but we've talked about this before for like the last six months. If you've listened to our show, um, it's, it's, it's become a COVID themed, a uh, COVID themed show here on, here on EW, EWTN in St. Gabriel. Um, I'm sure that, I'm sure that most others are probably experiencing something of the same. Why is it important that we be aware of the times that we're, that we're facing? Well, friends, it's because I believe that God's going to equip us to be missionaries to the world in the midst of the world, Right. We're not going to win this battle by fighting the same way that we have in the past. Um, we're not. We're not going to. We're not going to be able to accomplish this fight with the same tools, with the same weapons that we did yesterday. It, it's just not going to work. But are we? Are we supposed to therefore believe that we're no longer equipped? No. That we we come to the Lord and and we receive from Him the grace that He has for this moment because we trust in a Lord who is the God over COVID-19. We trust in a Lord who is the God over whatever 
uh, election manipulation or whatever the case may be, uh, uh, chaos and division, that that Jesus, Jesus is the solution. He's always been the solution. And and he orients that differently in different ages. I'd like to look at some of the lives of of, of just some some men and women who've inspired us, Brad, in yeah. in mission. And uh, and I, I thought that might be a cool place to go. You know, one of the recurring themes throughout all of Scripture is that um, to know who we are, we would do well to remind ourselves of where we've come from, right? To remind ourselves of our past, to remind ourselves of the stories that have brought us to where we are. And as Catholics, we have such a profound blessing of being able to actually pull upon the history of generations um, and, and of, of amazing saints who've gone before us, who've run into the fire in times of trial. The first one, uh, ironically, I've, I've, I've never really dived into um, her life before, but as I was praying today, I, I was practicing um, a, a little... I'll give you a preview for the end of the show. We're going to, at the end of today's show in our last segment, we're going to, we're going to kind of lay out some of the responses that we need to have in order to properly orient our hearts effectively for mission in today's world. And uh, one, one of the things that I'm practicing is truly allowing the Lord Jesus to guide my heart, right? Allowing the Lord to take control that I would only do what Jesus tells me to do. And as I was just, just a couple hours ago, I was walking, I was walking down to our lake and I was just asking Jesus where he wanted to take the show. And he said, um, he wanted to speak about St. Francis Cabrini. So I, uh, I did a little research and, um, I have been so moved by the story of her life. So St. Francis Cabrini is a, is a nun and she started an order of the sacred heart of Jesus in, uh, she came out of Italy she is renowned as being the first American citizen who was um, who was canonized as a saint, and uh, her story was so profound. I, I won't I won't read about it, but I'll kind of just I'll share kind of the highlights that stood out to me. So Saint Francis was inspired by a group of sisters who educated her as a young woman, and um, in Italy she had such a passion for missions that she wanted to be like the ones who had inspired her. What did that look like? Well, for her, it was she wanted to become a, a, a sister teacher. She wanted to join the order of teachers who had, who had inspired her. Ultimately, they denied her from service, right? So did she give up? No. She, she oriented her heart toward service in the most extreme way possible. I, I, I'm just envisioning this this, you know, the, the biographies don't hold any punches. This, this woman who was too frail, okay, too frail to enter into service as a teacher who then committed herself that she was going to dedicate her life to serve as a missionary to China, okay? That's amazing. And this is, this is a time in the world where ah, I, I don't think those relations were, were necessarily well-received, right? So she went to the Pope, um, uh, <laughs> And she asks, I think it was Pope Leo the Thirteenth. She asks, it was one of the Pope Leos. She asks Pope 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 Leo the Blank um, <laughs> for permission to go, a blessing to go and to and to serve as a missionary to China. And he spoke into her prophetically, and he said, "Instead of going east, go west." And uh, and of course, what did she respond? Well, similarly to today, I think sometimes we come into the story with our own preconception of how it's got to work, right? We've we've built a we've built a story for ourselves. We've we've built a a narrative that uh, assumes a particular solution based on the challenges that we face. But 
but have we actually gone to the Lord to yeah. ask him what his desire is? I, I was, I was just so, I was so inspired that, okay, what happens when you go and meet with the Pope and you've got your whole life planned out to go and be a missionary to China. And he says, you know, instead of <laughs> go going the, 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 the direction that you wanted, stop and go the entire opposite, opposite. direction. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and of course, um, uh, sister, sister, I don't know what her sister name was. I presume it was sister Francis Cabrini, maybe. Um, she, it, rather than going east to China, she went west, identifying the Italian immigrants that were going in the midst of of one of the messiest times of immigration in the history of our of our country into into New York City, and and she moved into New York and and she focused all of her efforts on establishing a uh, um, a mission in New York specifically to serve those immigrants. When I was thinking about political messiness, I was thinking, man, how there could not have been a messier time in the history of our country than those. I guess I guess there were a lot of messy times. <laughs> I take it back. This this had to have been one of the most profoundly divisive times in the history of our country, as as um, entire ethnic groups are are immigrating into our country and being um, isolated into ghettos and being. Um, you know, just all of that process of how to come in. And she found people that were, that were struggling with poverty. She found people who were, uh, had, they lacked any education. They Mm -hmm. lacked any ability to actually functionally operate in, in, in the world. And she dedicated her life towards seeing them succeed. Um, it was just such an inspiring story. Ultimately, the order that she founded, in addition to changing people's lives through just miraculous intercession and um, taking care of, of, of natural needs uh, established supernatural foundation as well. That's inspired generations. Um, she, she, she took the, the name of, of St. Francis Xavier, right? And uh, one of, one of the, the fathers of, of missionary life, right? Of, of missionary, right. of missionary advance. And, uh, and she truly, she truly lived out that call. So, um, I was so blessed by her mother Cabrini. Thank you for your, for your witness. Pray for us as we continue to, to ask ourselves, Lord, do you want me to go East right now? Or do you want me to go West? Right. How, how do you want me to take care of those people who in the midst of division in the midst of isolation are stuck and have no idea what to do? Uh, you know, we're not we're not dealing with Italian immigrants right now who are coming into New York City, but but we are dealing with an entire group of people who feels isolated because of, you know, uh, whether it's political motivation, whether it's um, I, I I feel like a prisoner in my own home because my family's quarantined because they talk to a kid at school, whether it's yeah. whether it's because um, you know our, our our doors are shut or i'm stuck behind a mask whatever whatever the experience that you're having is we can look to the example of those like like mother cabrini who've gone before us who've identified that in in changing times uh that that we elevate our hearts to the lord and we follow him in obedience trusting that he has the solutions that we need yeah i i have so much from that story that's standing out to me i i didn't know much about saint Francis Cabrini either. And when I was listening, I think it's so interesting, similar to what Paul says in the scriptures that in my weakness, God is made strong. She was called too frail to teach. Yet when she goes 
west instead of east. She finds herself in a place where she needs to serve and teach. She needs to serve the people that are impoverished and teach the people that are uneducated. And so she finds herself right back in the place where God actually says, no, it's because of your frailty that I want you to teach. It's actually, I'll be great in your weakness. And that's just a profound idea. And I think that's great for us. I also love what you were saying too, Aaron. Like it's, it's not a time where we have Italian immigrants coming in, but we do have people that feel and, and maybe there are, but maybe not, not to the, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. You, you know what I'm saying? Like not, not to the degree that we were at that time sure, and not yeah, in the yeah, way yeah. that we were having it. It's a different world. At that time. <laughs> For any of you who have recently come over from Italy, welcome to the United States of America. But, we love you. Um, we love you so much. And, uh, thanks for uh, hosting the Vatican too. And I, I just, I, I think, um, it, it might not be a time like that, but yeah. it is a time where there are certainly people that feel othered, right? Yeah. That, and I, I was getting this sense of like, what if, what if we didn't see someone and consider them other than us, but another one of us, right? Mm. A- another instead of other, like that's another son or daughter of God, not someone other in some category, right? I think that could be huge for us. And I, I love the stories of the saints because they are responses to, to the times they were living in, that, that they are literally stories of the response. There's stories that went against reaction and into response. I mean, we're called Damascus here at Damascus. This podcast is called Beyond Damascus, this radio show. Um, I I think there's so much to be said in that. And I was reflecting, too, that it's actually in the times of greatest uncertainty that saints are most needed because they're unity makers. And I was reflecting on a story of a group of saints, the the 40 martyrs of Sebast. If any of you have heard this story, Mm. you are hopefully as blessed by it as I was the first time I heard it. The 40 martyrs of Sebast, they lived in modern day Turkey in about the, the fourth century, around 320 AD. We're not exactly sure, but there were 40 soldiers in what would now be the Turkish army that were evangelized and they committed to Christianity. And these, these 40 men in a time of great chaos where the world was literally forging empires, right? Mm. Like, like tit for tat against each other. And these 40 men set aside all of what was going on around them to commit to what was going on within them. And they committed to each other, right? These 40 soldiers, they decide we're going to follow this, Christian message. We're going to believe in it. We're going to give our lives to it. And the emperor at the time, and his name escapes me, but if you know Turkish history better than I, (laughs) you may know, but um, the emperor catches wind of this. And I think this is so profound. He brings the 40 soldiers in and he, he ultimately presents to them, I guess what would constitute as an ultimatum, right? He, he looks at them and he says, you can still, you can still like practice this Christianity thing, mm. but I need you to stop talking about it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he has this meeting with the four soldiers and he says, you can keep practicing it, whatever that means, but I need you to stop talking about it. And the, the 40 in unison were like, no, that, that is the faith. Mm. The faith is talking about it. Like the faith is living it out. The faith is not absent my life. It is my life. Yeah. And they, yeah. they make this response to the emperor and the emperor gets, more and more agitated at their response. And he says, this is the decision you have or else here is the death decision that you're making. And he gives them this ultimatum that they can either renounce the faith publicly 
and still live it privately, mm-hmm. or they can face death and particularly death by exposure. It was a very like cold season in that region at this time. And there was a frozen lake that the emperor brought these men to. Uh, and, and he was ultimately having this last discussion at the side of this lake. And he's like, you can re- renounce it here or you'll be sent out on to the lake to freeze to death. And before he could even impose on them the death sentence, they strip themselves of their armor, their swords, their shields <laughs> down to their naked bodies, throw everything at the emperor and run out onto the lake. Wow. They respond by going into the fire, the fire that was going to harm them, right? Like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, this, this death that was awaiting yeah. them. They didn't allow anyone to sentence them to it. They chose it because it was the only choice as opposed to renouncing the faith. Yeah. And so these 40, Martyrs go out there, and there's so many angles we can take with this story. I want to get to the end so I can bring a point into our day today. But ultimately, these 40 are out there. The emperor is so agitated. He is tempting them with everything he can. He has like a feast laid out at the side of the lake, and he says, if you want to come just eat the feast, we'll give you a warm towel. You can eat the feast, renounce the faith, and be back in the army. And these 40 men stay together, but over time, there's this one that you can feel kind of moving away from the from the mass slowly, but surely. And finally the emperor brings a hot bath to the side of this freezing lake. So imagine being out on a freezing lake for let's say seven days and a hot bath is brought, right? And the emperor says, come and you can enjoy a hot bath. Just renounce the faith. You can still live it privately. And one of the soldiers gives into that temptation and runs to the side. And, And the soldier runs to the side, right? Freezing in front of the other soldiers on the, embankment with the emperor and he jumps into the hot bath. And as soon as he gets in the hot bath, he dies because of the extreme temperature differentiation. And we can, we could go into that, but that's not where I want to go. (laughs) Ultimately the, the witness of the 39 that stayed though was so strong that when another soldier on the embankment saw this one die, he himself took off his armor, his sword and his shield threw it at the emperor ran out so that they were no longer the 39 soon to be martyrs of Sebast, but the 40, he completed the number of 40. And I think in our times, there are so many temptations that are being presented to us that would break us from the community we've committed to. Yeah. That would break us away from love of everyone else that are in the pews, socially distanced from me at my parish, like things that would break me away from the people in my neighborhood, my family. And there's all of these temptations but something about those 40 martyrs who eventually died on that frozen lake soon after that. There was this commitment to staying true to the decision they had made. Yeah. And we as Christians, we've made a decision. We've made a decision that this is the way of life. This is the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't say a way, a truth, and a life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so if we're feeling lost in this season— it's a good thing that Jesus is the way, right? If we are feeling lied to in this season, it's a good thing that Jesus is the truth. If we're feeling lifeless in this season, it's a good thing that Jesus is the life, right? Like we've committed to that. And in this season, would we be able to hold on? Because don't be so sure that the warm bath is as comforting (laughs) as it might present itself to be, right? Like like maybe that is actually that which will kill you. Maybe what you're in right now is your source of strength 
maybe that temptation that seems comforting is actually the thing that will lead to your demise. And so I think my encouragement from the story of the 40 martyrs of Sebast, and again, that's S E B A S T E. If you want to read about them, the 40 martyrs of Sebast and, and, uh, and praise God for those men that witnessed this to us. And especially in a time as chaotic as theirs, I think we can learn a lot from this idea of how do we come together and stay united, not give in to temptation, but stay committed to the decision we've made amidst chaos, amidst turbulence, amidst everything else that the world seems to be bringing. (laughs) Amen. All right. So for, how do you, how do you ask for the intercession of the 40 martyrs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, (laughs) the 40 martyrs of Sebast, uh, we call on you by name, uh, whatever those names may be. I'm sure they're on the internet somewhere, but we ask that you would pray for us and keep us united together in the response in the, in, in the good fight that Paul tells us about. Praise the Lord. So, so that, that's, that's awesome. I'm seeing just the, the common thread between those, those two stories that, um, God, God calls us to live the Christian life in understanding that the place where we are called now is the place where we're called, right? The place where we are called to live the Christian life. Uh, we're, we're, we're not experiencing a time, friends, where we need to wait for God to bring us back to the good old days or wait to God, wait for God to bring us back into the warmth of the, of the castle or the barracks or wherever those guys were from. But if, if you're finding yourself on a, on a metaphorical frozen lake right now, right. Right. That, that, this is the this is the place where God's asked us to step in. Mm-hmm. This is the place where God's equipping us with the particular opportunity to have those words to declare. That that's I lo- I love that after the one left, that another came. Um, what a what a powerful image that is. That uh, that God's looking for men and for women who are going to stand up in this moment and are going to say, "This is the Christian life," mm-hmm. right? That, that, that's the story of the new evangelization. We say it again, that evangelization, the way that we've always anticipated that it was meant to be done, uh, it's evangelization is lifeless if it's not a response to the culture that it's supposed to serve. Right. Right. And, and we, are, we are called to embrace this, this particular appointment, which is, which is fundamentally and uh, it, it's fundamentally tied to the world in which we live. Yep. Right. So friends, it's not time to run from the world. Mm-mm. That might be the temptation. Right. Um, it's time to step into the fire. Yeah. Right. And, and time to be the city sit on a hill. Right. <laughs> and and I, I think, but this is interesting too, Aaron, even as you're saying that, yeah. like sometimes we think of the city set on a hill as this like, like exterior thing that's off in the distance, but instead like who invites the other people to the city on the hill? Like the city on the hill is is the calling, but I have to go from that city to welcome people to it. Like we can't be afraid to go down into yep. the like outskirts of the city on the hill because we know that the city on the hill isn't going anywhere, right? Like we can't be afraid to go to the person who has mm. a different opinion than us, who has a different thought pattern than us, who has a different experience than us and actually go to them. And again, see them as another instead of other and say like, I think it's always a mistake, Aaron, when we look at one another and we ask, how can I make you more like me? I think that's always a mistake. I think instead the question is, how can I make you more you than you've ever been before? That's the better question. It's not, how can I make you more like me? It's how can I make you more like you as you were meant to be? And if we, if we could get to that 
and see the city set on a hill and say, come with me to it. Similar to those 40 martyrs. Like it was, it was a city on a hill because why would you die for something that you could have just easily said you didn't believe in, even though you did? Well, because you in fact believed in it more than just lip service. You believed in it. And what if we were so united in this time? What if we extended a hand to a person who has a different opinion than us in such a way as Christians in this time that it looks so different in the world that people were like, you know, I've been on the fringes, but whatever you're doing mm-hmm. is the remedy to whatever's going on. Yeah. I think that could be huge. Amen. Well, so friends, thanks thanks for tuning in today. Once again, you're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. We're going to come back after the break and, and we're going to offer maybe uh, just a couple a couple more insights on on how it is that that we can particularly pray for God to equip us um, to be ready to step in at, at, at what is what is no doubt a challenging time. Uh, so thanks for joining us today once again. Stay tuned and we'll be right back after this short break. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. Don't you feel sometimes like there's so many people in the world? How does he hear your prayer? Never think of that, huh? Everybody thinks of that. I'm only a little grain of sand on the seashore. Oh, but that's not true. See, God is God. And you and I have to let God be God. I don't know how he does it. He's God. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. Wings is the weekly newsletter that's packed with program info, features, and updates of all that's going on at the Global Catholic Network. Just go to EWTN.com slash wings. Fill out your name and email address, and you'll start getting your wings every week. When you get yours, send it to all your friends, and they can send it to their friends. And pretty soon, we're covering the whole world with the good news about EWTN. Wings, the weekly newsletter from EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. And welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Thanks for joining us today, friends. Beyond Damascus, of course, is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. We just had the opportunity. We're talking about missionary life. Surprise, surprise, if you've ever listened to the show before. And today, our I think our target's just set a little differently. It's set on how, how we can actually adopt a heart in a time that is defined by chaos, to respond to the world in the way that we're truly called, right? And uh, Brad, um, those stories of the saints are, stories of the saints are so inspiring. We covered two today. How many millions are there? Right, yeah, like how many How many more stories? Well, Aaron, as you were sharing about St. Francis Cabrini, as I was sharing about the 40 martyrs, it's like how many yeah, millions, billions of stories are there about people that have had these amazing missions on their life and they fulfilled them. What well, we were just talking about, we have uh, a, a brother here at Damascus who works with us. He oversees parts of our outreach and programming yeah. named Sam Halligan. And I was just saying like Sam Halligan went to school in like the middle of nowhere, Kansas. Okay. So Atchison, Kansas, if you're from Benedictine and you're listening to this, you know why he was in Atchison. And, <laughs> but he, uh, he like, Gave his life to the Lord in a renewed way a few years back. And he said, you know what? God worked in this way in a time past. I believe he wants to work in that way now. And he brought this huge healing revival to Atchison to the point where like people in the town were coming onto the campus to come to the church for a healing mass 
they didn't know what mass was. They didn't know, <laughs> let alone what like healing from the heart yes, of Jesus was, you, but Lord. all of a sudden it breaks out. And like that story can be told 200 years from now yep. and can be looked back at and can be almost like that. I don't know, like the thing that that generation's striving to bring back into their yeah. generation, yeah. whatever that might be. Do it again in us, Lord. Right. That's our, that's our prayer today. Um, God, you've, you've done it before. God, the church is, the church is not facing anything it hasn't faced before with success. Right. And how did you do it? You did it through revival. You did it through inspiring men and women to stand up, to run into the fire and to, and to carry your name. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus, you want to equip us to do the same. So, Lord, do it again in us. Yeah. Friends, we're, we're going to wrap up today's show with, with, with sort of with, with that intention in mind, right? Uh, we're, we're committed here at Beyond Damascus that this is, um, this is the show where encounter meets mission, okay? It's not just a show about mission stuff, um, but, but we seek the heart of Jesus that our lives would be transformed. And if your heart has been set on fire in the course of today's, uh, today's show, or even, I don't know if there's a hunger that you felt uh, or even a restlessness that you felt as we've been talking about the fact that um, it's difficult to live in a, in a, a time of, of chaos and a time of division. Uh, this is our prayer for you. So in whatever way you're able today uh, to receive, I, I want to encourage you to receive. Brad and I are going to kind of spend the next three or four minutes praying intentionally for you. That, that, that God, that each of our listeners, that our lives would be transformed as we come into an encounter with you. Friends, as, as, as we kick off today, um, Jesus, I said it before, is he's the answer. Jesus is the answer. He's, he's the solution to every problem. He is, he is the balm to every wound. Yeah. He is, he's the, the answer to every need. And if, if, if you have felt a hunger and you don't believe that right now in this place in your life that you have a relationship with the one who is the solution, I, I, I'd love to kick us off there. And Jesus, we pray that you'd come into this space and that you'd transform our hearts. And right now, if there's anybody listening who's uh, come to a position of, of being at wit's end, and Jesus, maybe they've declared you the Lord of their life in the past, and behavior has pushed us in a different direction, or reaction or fear has pushed us in a direct, different direction. Jesus, we ask you to be Lord of our life for the rest of our life. Come and do it again in us. Yeah. Jesus, we know that everything going on in the world right now was not a surprise to you, that you know all and see all, and you have placed us in this season with a purpose. And that purpose is to bring peace to chaos, Yeah, is to bring strength to weakness is to bring foundation to pieces that are spread and scattered. And so we pray right now, God, that you would be about a mighty work of unity in us. We pray that you would bring us closer to our families in this season. We pray that you would bring us closer to our parish communities in this season. We pray that you would bring us closer to our neighbors in this season. We pray that we could set all things that divide aside and step into yeah, everything Lord. that Thank unites you, God. So we pray right now that you'd be about a work of unity, <laughs> that you would bring us closer to your heart. Yep. Yep. Jesus, release supernatural boldness on us for your glory, Lord. Mm-hmm. Just as the the 40 martyrs of Sebast, Lord, that they 
um, that they proclaimed this is the Christian life. This is the Christian life to carry your name. Jesus, grant us boldness. Come Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would give us the grace to do only what you tell us to do. Just like St. Francis Cabrini, God, that we would we would listen to your word that when our hearts are set on going east and you say go west, God, that we would turn everything around and we would respond to your will. Mm-hmm. Give us the grace to say yes to you every day. And and finally, Lord, I pray that today in a in a powerfully profound moment, God, that you would pour out a supernatural equipping on the lives of every person who's praying this prayer and who's listening to this show. Mm-hmm. When you command us to take a direction, you back it up. Mm-hmm. That, that, that story of, of St. Francis was, it, it had an amazing conclusion at, at her, at her beatification or canonization. I, I forget which was one. Um, there was a hospital that St. Francis had started in New York and there was a young boy who suffered a, a medical injury when at, at birth that uh, his eyes were washed out with a silver nitrate solution, which, um, which is a little dangerous if it's not received in the proper dosage. And there was a mistake that was made. And uh, as his eyes were being disinfected, his corneas were burnt out of his eyes. And the nurse who was on duty, uh, she came to the superior on the floor and they immediately committed their 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 group of nurses of sisters to intercession uh, for for a miracle from from Mother Cabrini, and sure enough, that very night, the the child's corneas were regrown in his eyes. Hmm. Yet he didn't lose the scars that the chemical had made on his skin. Yeah. Uh, such a such a beautiful and profound moment, and it, it went on the the particular story that I was that I was researching went on to to show that this testimony was being shared by by that by that boy's younger brother the boy's name was peter his younger brother um became a priest and became a monsignor and uh and has been a has been a constant advocate of this final claim that friends the age of miracles has not yet passed mm-hmm. so we lay hold of that truth in jesus name Thank you for joining us today for Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. To check out this show on a rerun, find us wherever podcasts are found. Once again, Saint uh, Beyond Damascus is a co-production of Saint Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio, and carried where uh, and carried across the total EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And we would love to see you again next week. Yeah. God bless. Yeah.